Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. We're keeping it local. We're keeping it Chicago. Uh, we are hanging out with Mark Holska. Uh, it is meat underscore marks with an S underscore BBQ on Instagram. Uh, he is a butcher. He's a barbecue enthusiast. He um, has guest blogged for Weber. He is a certified KCBS judge. He's an all-around really good dude. Cooks amazingly. Used to own a butcher shop in Uptown in the Chicago neighborhood area. If you guys are local, you'll know exactly where that is. Um, if you're not, um, it's the north side of the city. So, actually, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Uptown. It was Edgewater. I am. It was Edgewater, right? Right, Edgewater. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I told. See, I told you I would butcher something, and I, I found the, I found the thing I would butcher, and that's the one thing I wasn't reading. <laughs> it was Edgewater. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of the butcher shop. Was a customer. Um, you said you know, just to give them a little bit of a backstory, his lease ran out. He decided that he was going to go not a different route, but he was done being a business owner. I don't blame him. Uh, so you are still a butcher. You're still working. Uh, you work at um. Uh, an amazing supermarket. It's almost like a supermarket on steroids. I want to give it that. It's not necessarily like um, a regular supermarket. They have some cool stuff there. And then you run the entire butcher counter. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us and chatting barbecue. Hey, thanks for having me, Mikey. So, what made you want to become a butcher? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but really, like, I was... Uh... In my early 20s, um, my brother was a meat manager at Dominic's. You remember Dominic's back in the day? Oh, right? yeah, I remember Dominic's. <clears throat> and they were hiring, and uh, he was a meat manager there. So he called me up. They were looking for apprentices. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm there. So I served a three-year apprenticeship at Dominic's. Uh, I started back in 1982. Um, I worked there for about 16 years, and then uh, a few independents here and there. And then, uh, you know, in 2007, I bought the – the meat shop up on Broadway. It, and that was, I mean, it was a, it was a kick-ass meat shop guys. Um, you know, very, very neighborhood meat shop, which I think is one of the coolest ways to do it. Right. Um, I'm all about that, like small kind of not crazy, large meat shop, like very small. They knew that they knew their customers. They always, they were always super nice. Um, yeah, probably like 90% of my customers. I knew them by name, you know? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, and you, I mean, you guys were serving some killer, some killer meat. Now, when you, when you opened the, the uh, butcher shop, you said you opened it in 98, right? No, oh, 2007. Or, I'm sorry, 2007. So I feel like from 2007 to like, probably like 2015, and it's still kind of happening even more, but I think in, in the Chicagoland area, we, we really got a big insertion of, kind of grades of meat started becoming, I think people became more aware. Right. Yeah. But they definitely became more educated about meat. 
and they wanted to know like where the meat came from, you know, where it was sourced from, what the quality is, and that's what we provided. Yeah. But how did you see that? Like when you were looking at it, like from a business owner, how did you see that change kind of come about? Like, was it kind of, were you like, oh my God, like all, like not necessarily like all in one day, but it kind of feels right. like that when you look back at it, when it's like all of a sudden people were like, hey, where's the steak coming from? Right. Yeah. People wanted to know like, you know, like how the animals were treated, what they were fed. And yeah, it was definitely like a progressive thing. You know, it didn't happen all in one day. It was, you know, like over a few years, but, you know, consumers started to get more educated. They wanted to know where their meat was coming from. And now the, the place that you're working now, it's called Fresh Marketplace. Um, right. You guys do some, you have, I mean, your, your meat counter is, you guys got some beautiful meat. Yeah, um, yeah. We... And you're carrying, you know, compote dura pork. Right. And right. me and you talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, do pe like, do people bark at that price? And, you know, you said, well, at first they kind of did when you guys first brought it in, right? Right, right, right. And it, it, I think that's anywhere is when you bring in a new um, a new item and you're like, hey, this is, <laughs> this is what we're bringing in. And you're going, right. yeah, but that's expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but give it a try. I mean, there was a little transition period between like – you know, trying trying to weed out some of the some of the regular stock commodity items and getting into the better quality meats. Um, you know, it did take a little time to educate the consumers on where the stuff comes from and and the better quality of meat that it is, and just you know how it's gonna you know uh, work with them. them. Uh, yeah, right, right. Now, what would you say was the hardest part of of the education? Like, was it was it really kind of explaining to them to justify the price point or was it really kind of explaining them the quality that they were getting? It was more explaining them the quality that they were getting, you know, cause they're just used to like looking at it and stuff. Then after we told them, uh, and explained to them of the marbling and had them see the marbling and then like once they tasted it, you know, it was, it was a done deal, you know, it just, it just went, went for it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Um, I think that's usually that that's a big thing, you know, once, once you kind of taste that prime or, right, right. or once you get up into that, like super high marbled, I know I, I picked up a, a, a tri tip from you. Um, mm. that was, I mean, the thing was just phenomenally marbled <laughs> and it was, it was yeah. fantastic. Same thing with the, uh, uh, that, that nice ribeye that the boned in ribeye that we got. Yeah, bone um, ribeye. Yeah. Oh, dude, I sous vide that mm -hmm. and then seared it off. It was just so great. Yeah. It yeah. was such an amazing, amazing piece of meat. Mm -hmm. And it it's just crazy to think that like people sometimes will look at, look at marbling and be like, and eh, now that's going to be fatty. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, give me a prime piece of steak, but, but not so much fat on it, you know? <laughs> It's like, wait, what? Yeah. You want what? Yeah. I'm actually in a Facebook group, and one of the guys today um, commented. He was like, I, I always buy choice Packer briskets, but apparently um, his Costco had them on. He had They had their primes on sale, and mm -hmm. they were like, he's like, such a good deal. I might as well get that one. 
And I'm and he, but he's like, but will it be more greasy? I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I've never had, I've right. never like bit a brisket and been like, this is greasy. Right. Um, but I'm like, no, I'm like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be more flavorful mm-hmm. and it's going to cook faster. Yeah. And I don't think grease is the right word to use. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. And that, but the funny thing is like, everyone was posting, like the only thing people were posting was it's not going to be greasy. It's not going to be greasy. It's like, nobody took the time to think of being like, Hey, mm-hmm. Fattier meats cook faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you help this dude out so he's not putting it on for like the same amount of time, just thinking it's the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you guys probably get that. Do you? Do you guys ever get those kind of questions at the butcher shop? Oh, we get all kinds of questions, you know. And especially like sometimes we get some like crazy requests. People come in with a recipe, and we're like, you know, why don't you find a new recipe? You know. <laughs> yeah, like. I want, I want to, I want this and I, I want to yeah. make it this way. And you're like, that yeah. doesn't exist. No, no. Uh-uh. I mean, what's the craziest request you guys have gotten? I remember when I had my shop to see, uh, she, she walked in, she wanted a boneless lamb ribeye, three and a half inches in diameter. Okay. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it doesn't exist. I mean, a lamb ribeye is going to be as, about the size of a quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, what kind of lamb does she want you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's going to be a big lamb. Yeah. Like, that thing is going to be, like, on steroids. Right, right, right. It's going to be a little, it, it's almost going to be terrifying to kill. Yeah, <laughs> Considering, yeah. like, right. that's going to be a big-ass lamb. Holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah, we've heard some crazy things over the years, too, you know, so. I, uh, as a funny story, I was talking to one of my buddies. He he's really getting into cooking, mm-hmm. and he's he's really into making pastas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the other night, he made he made homemade ravioli, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> some for some odd reason he did not. He's like, I don't know why I didn't like catch it earlier. And he's like, or why it didn't like click to me. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a teaspoon and a half. Of salt. Uh-huh. And what did he put? <laughs> he messed it up. And he, he thought it was a cup and a half of salt. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how you mess this up. And believe me, he's not a moron, guys. He's really not. He, make, he actually makes decent food. And he's like, man, he's like, when I was, he's like, when I was kneading the dough, he's like, I kept getting super thirsty and I didn't know why. <laughs> And he's like, I can't be this out of shape. And he's like kneading it. There's like salt basically just like oozing into him. He's like, it was really gritty. I'm like, yeah. yeah, no shit. It was like your dough was pretty much mainly salt. Right, right. And then like his wife like ate some of it and she was like, Chris, this is good, but it's super salty. <laughs> And, and he's like, no, it can't be that bad. And she's like, how much salt did you put in them? He's like, the amount that they told me. Yeah. A cup and a half. And he was, she was like, this says a tablespoon and a half. Or a teaspoon and a half. Not even a tablespoon and a half. A teaspoon yeah, and a, a half. Teaspoon. Oh, my God. Like, can you imagine how much salt that had to be? I'm like, oh, oh my, my God, God. that's horrible. But, it, it, I mean, it really does happen. Now, yeah. you're a big Weber guy. Yeah, yeah, you you own a couple of them. A couple of them sit in the backyard. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite Weber cooker? 
Yeah, I do. It's got to be the Summit Charcoal. I knew I. I know you. You just got one, right? I did. I just got one, dude. Yeah. But I mean, I've cooked on them in, my... in the past. I'm sorry. I said I've cooked on them in the past before. Before I had one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And man, that the evenness of that thing, the way that it cooks, yeah. and. I know that, like, I, I've always done low and slow on them because yeah. that's what I, I – I was borrowing my buddy Brent's, and I was using it to cook pork butts for classes because mm-hmm. I needed the extra space, and I thought it was, a, you know, a great cooker to show off, like, yeah. the ability to go low and slow and how it would hold mm-hmm. in, you know, in not ideal temperatures, right? Right, um, right. And the other day, I decided I was like, oh, you know what we're going to do? I'm like, we're going to sear some steaks. Uh, we're going to reverse here some steaks. Mm-hmm. And I threw, threw them on, right? Mm-hmm. Made it kind of indirect, direct kind of heat. And um, I had it going indirect at like, probably like, I think I was at like 275, 300. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I was like, okay, cool. My steaks are almost at the temp that I really want them to be at. So I knew I was going to start just cranking it up. And man, they don't lie when they say that that like that rapid, you know, yeah, the, rapid r- fire thing. Yep, the rapid fire thing. Like it is yeah. crazy. I like pulled open that vent, and I don't think I even touched my bottom vent, mm-hmm. and it just started pulling. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was crazy, yeah. and the temp just went. I mean, it was uh, probably like six hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super fast. Last Thursday, I did a, a whole beef shank on there. Oh, yeah, I saw I that. Think, I think it was yeah, you saw that? Yeah, yeah. And Thursday, it was about 20 degrees out, right? Yeah, right somewhere here? around there, yeah. yeah. I dialed it in at 275. It stayed there for eight hours. No no problems. It's it stayed there. It's crazy how well it stays. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you, are you using briquettes or are you using lump? I'm using uh, Weber briquettes. Okay. Where do you find... Some, uh, I was gonna say, where the hell are you finding some Weber briquettes? Because they're well, not—they're not easy to like find. <laughs> they're not easy to like find in Chicago. Like last year. Yeah. They're really not. Like it's crazy for Weber being in the Chicagoland area. Trying to yeah. find Weber briquettes is not easy. No, no. Yeah, I still got some in the garage. So I use them on there a lot of times around my uh, Smoky Mountain. You know, when I'm smoking on, on there too. Do so. you like? Do you feel like they? I've actually. I've only used them once. I've okay. only gotten to use the Weber briquettes once, mm-hmm. and um, I—it's I, not that I didn't wasn't happy with them, uh-huh. but um, I didn't see. And I think it could just could have been just because I've used them only once. I yeah. didn't see a huge difference, but mm-hmm. I'm also I don't I don't use like Kingford briquettes anymore. I don't use right. briquettes anymore almost at all. I use almost just stri- strictly lump charcoal if I go down to charcoal, right? Um, yeah. But would you say you see a big difference? Yeah, I do, especially in the burn time. Like the Weber briquettes, they're they're a big, they're large, um, you know, pretty dense briquette. Okay, and you get a really long burn time out of them. Okay, you know. Okay, so then that's you... what I like them for. You know, uh, for when I'm going low and slow. Okay. Now, do you see a difference in hot and fat? Like, if you're going, if you're going, like, if you're just, if you're just grilling, mm-hmm. do you see a difference in that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I still get a, a really good burn off of it, too, you know, at, at a high heat also, you know. Okay. 
So, so they're worth it. Yeah, they're worth it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That, that, that's kind of where I was going with it. You know, yeah. are they worth it or not? Um, no, they're definitely worth it. Because, you know, you never know. <laughs> right, and, right. Using it once, honestly, like I can't give my honest opinion off a of one-time use because no, you gotta I, do it times. Yes. Yeah, I gotta do it a couple times to see yeah. see where I'm at with it and see if it <laughs> yeah. if it reacts the way I want it to react. And like I right. said, trying to find them around here is not easy. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't search too much, um, and I don't really search too much for charcoal in, in general anymore. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's just easier to do that. Uh, now when, when you got the, the summit charcoal, uh-huh. did you like, what was your first reaction when they first put that out? Cause you, you were going from kettles, right? You yeah. Have, you have yeah right, right. Smoky mountain and all that. And I think a lo- there was a lot of hate from, from like the kettle people that were like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, there was, especially over like the price point. You yeah. know, they were they were blasting about that. But then I'm mean, like, once I got the thing and I started cooking on it, I, I mean, it's definitely worth every penny that thing. Oh yeah, and it's so versatile. I mean, you can you can sear on it. I make pizzas on that thing. You know, I put the diffuser plate in there. Yeah, and I get it up up to almost 600 degrees, and I throw pizzas in there a few minutes, and and it's wonderful. This is great. Now, do you when you throw pizzas in there? Are you going straight on the grate, or are you are you putting in? Uh, a, I do it on, on a stone. Yeah, that yeah. that's what I was gonna. That was gonna be my next question, because yeah. um, I've seen some people do it straight. Like they just use the diffuser underneath it, and they'll go straight out. Like right. they'll kind of pre bake their crust. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they mm-hmm. already kind of have a little bit. So their crust is almost a little bit hard. Not yeah. hard, but like already has formed. Right. It's right, not. Right. It's not a raw crust. Yeah, and then they'll, they'll they'll slide it on there or slide it in there, mm-hmm. and they they do it that way, and then they kind of get these kind of cool sear marks off the, <laughs> right, you, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't know if you did it that way, or if you do it a, a different way, but yeah, yeah you, you throw a throw a pizza stone in there, let it get nice mm-hmm. and hot. Yeah, yeah. Slide it in that dome. That the nice thing is the dome, you know, mm-hmm. it pushes heat down too, so it right. allows you to you know, make that cheese nice, nice and bubbly. Oh man, you're making me hungry now, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do, you know, but I, I think, and, and you get that flavor, right? I mean, yeah. you get that, you yep. get that wood yep. fire flavor, um, mm-hmm. which is hard to beat. Right. Right. I, I've never been good at the pizza on, on the, uh, on the big green egg. No. You know what? I need to get a, I need to get one of those, um, like the pizza sliders. The pizza peel. Yeah, I need a peel. That that's yeah. my problem. Yeah. I don't have a peel. Uh, I need to get, get one. one. I need to get a peel. Yeah. So it's a little difficult when you don't have a peel. Because <laughs> right. then you're trying to like do shit, and it just doesn't. Yeah, work. yeah. No. You're making calzones most of the time. Let me explain <laughs> to you, okay? You're folding and, it over, <laughs> and, and you're not doing it on purpose. You're just kind of yeah. oh shit. Okay, it's a calzone tonight. It's fine. Right, right. Which still it tastes good. But well, it's coming uh, on your summit one day, you know, you're going to yeah. love it. Oh yeah, I have to. Yeah, I definitely yeah. have to. Um, and the other cool thing about the summit mm-hmm. that, I mean, you can raise and lower the, not raise it. Yeah. You can raise and lower the grate of mm-hmm. where you kind of want to put the charcoal. So mm-hmm. you can really play with searing. Right. Right. Which yeah. I think is pretty cool. 
Yeah, no, it is really cool. Yeah, that's why, I mean, hands down, if I had to keep one cooker, I mean, that would be the one. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you, you, you put it, what, at 275 the other day for eight hours? Yeah. yeah. And it just, it just goes. Yeah. Man, it goes. It holds so nicely. And, and it was 20 degrees outside that day, too. And how much did you, how much did you honestly play with your, your vents during the day? None. None. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. We're like, if you got a if you got a Weber kettle, a regular Weber kettle, mm-hmm. you're you're playing with the vents a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> you're you're playing with the vents. You're also you're also depending on the size of the meat that you're cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, you're and plus de- you're probably adding fuel. Yeah, I was gonna say you're adding fuel because yeah. you can't use the whole bottom because there's no diffuser. Right, right. So that that's kind of the cool thing that they did is they allow you to use the whole bottom. Give you that diffuser. Um, it gives you more surface area on on top. Plus, mm-hmm. I, I believe is is the char, char, summit charcoal. Is it twenty four inches or is yeah, it twenty six? Inches. Is it twenty four? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you get more space. It's kind of yeah. like in between, like the twenty two and the twenty six, right? I mean, right, right. Which is, I think, is almost a perfect size. Yeah, I do have a twenty six too. And I pull it out for like some big cooks I'm doing, especially in the summertime, if I'm having a lot of people over. And I love the 26 too. It, there's a lot of real estate there, you know. That's a big, big part of it. I mean, real yeah. estate is huge. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about. Uh, I just got a barrel cooker, right? I got the Oklahoma mm-hmm. Joe barrel, okay. and I got the. I didn't get like the pro version, guys. I got just the just the regular version. So it's an 18 inch. And I was saying, like, I love the way it cooks, but there's just, there's very little real estate on it. You know what I mean? Right, right, Like, right. you put one spatchcock chicken, that's, mm-hmm. that's about all you're going to get on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah. going to fit a bunch of them on there. Right, So, right. it's always like, it always kind of comes back down to real estate, right? That's right, that's right. And... That's why, like, even, even with the Summit, they have that uh, expansion rack that you can yeah. put on there. Yeah. So you could do, you know... Two layers of stuff. Did you ever see uh, Coleman, uh, Kevin Coleman, mm-hmm. put out a picture of him doing, I think it was like three briskets, mm-hmm. and he he was going to light up, I think he said he was going to light up like two Summit Charcoals or whatever, or mm-hmm. I don't remember what he, he's like, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to light up two grills, I'm just going to light up one, and basically what he, or maybe he was doing four briskets, and he has the two racks kind of like angled and yeah, they're laying I on did top see that. of them. I did see that picture. I remember that. Yeah. And everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It was full, man. It was full. <laughs> and I mean the cooker will hold that cooker will do it. Um yeah. the thing I really like about their diffuser plate is it's metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. it's not gonna break. <laughs> right. And it does have those hinges on there too, like if you have to refuel it. Yeah. If you need to add a little bit of fuel, or yeah. um, another chunk add, of wood or something, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say if you need to, if you if you're not getting enough smoke, or you know, yeah, you forgot to add a chunk of wood. Because mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I I don't know how many times I've been like doing what I was doing, and I've just I don't know I'm like not paying attention, have headphones on, mm-hmm. especially like party wise, like when it, when when I'm working it's different, but mm-hmm. like. When you're in the backyard and just having a party, right, right, and right. you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna throw some wood on," and yeah. then you're like, 
oh, but I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and you've already been drinking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always the good. That's always the best time. And then you like turn around and you're like, oh shit. The wood's right there, which means there's no wood in there. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been there, too. <laughs> yep. And especially, like, with a big green egg, like, you put that plate setter in, I'm like, do I really want to pick up a hot plate setter? Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll just let it go this time. But right. with with the, with the summit charcoal, I you, you still can. You know, you could be like, okay, hold on. Yep. yep. Pop, that, pop that baby open and mm-hmm. throw some wood in and... Be good to go and start sailing. Yeah, that's right. I will say I I do I love that cooker. I mm-hmm. think it's um I think it's a vastly underrated cooker, uh-huh. and I think it's um it it's not talked enough talked about enough. Right, right. I agree. I agree. I really think that um it it should it should be talked about more. <laughs> now. Where I want to kind of bring this conversation in into, mm-hmm. with you being a barbecue guy and being a butcher, uh-huh. what are some things that barbecue people should be asking their butchers? Mm-hmm. What are some things well, if you can think of? They like, should get to know their butcher. You know, that's that's number one. You know, source out your local butcher, find them, and develop like a relation a relationship with them. You know, um, and what what customers should be asking for is um you know like packer cut briskets um you know things to barbecue yeah like keep going i'm sorry i was i said i said keep going i thought you had another you were going yeah. going with more so i was yeah. like <laughs> I, I think it's great. You got you have to have a good relationship with your butcher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like um, it helps you in the long run too. Like especially if you start seeing some stuff on on Instagram or whatever, you can go to your butcher and be like, "Hey, dude, um, I want to do this, but I have no idea what it is." And you can show them pictures, yeah. and you can probably figure it out. Yeah. Off of just kind of seeing it, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've saved some people. You know, from from buying the wrong thing too. You know, they'll they'll come in and they'll want they'll want this or that, and I'm like, no, dude, this is what you want. You know, and and then it'll turn out really good. So, and that and then they try and then that that trust starts to become that start starts to build too because then they're not like, oh, he's just kind of selling me on something that he wants to move. It's like, no, no, no. Right. I know, right. I know what I'm talking about. Like, and right, right. and that's all... like the best part of my job is like you know helping people out you know with their meat purchases. Um, you know, whether it's like something special for a special dinner or just like an everyday meal, you know? Yeah. And then, then they come back and they, and they're like, dude, that piece of meat you gave me was amazing. You know, you know, then you got their trust, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure like with, with the stuff that you guys are carrying at your butcher shop, it's really not hard to get a good piece of meat out there. (laughs) Right. 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 Um, some of those things are phenomenally beautiful the pork i mean is is well marbled it mm-hmm. it is um just just it, it's got tons of flavor in it you know right um right. and then you guys kind of you guys do do pure chickens right you right do we do meat. stuff from the farms too you know uh from slagle family farms we get their chickens and they're like the right size you know they're like three to three and a half pounds 
you know, they're no like, you know, five to six pound chickens, you know. They're not those steroid chickens that yeah, we're all yeah, used to. Yeah. Like, right. You go and pick up Tyson chickens, they're like, yeah. yeah. This chicken was 37 pounds. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I hate to have that chicken come chasing after you, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, when. Uh, you got yeah. You guys get those farm. Uh, you guys get the uh, you get Slago fam- family farm meat. Yeah. Um Now you guys also, I, I believe we were talking about that they do they do something uh, interesting with their pork, right? What, is it their farm? Slago, or, yeah. So what? If you can explain to us kind of what they do, it, it's something a little different. It's something I've never actually heard of until I talked to you. Mm-hmm. Well, their pork is is a crossbreed between. Um... Berkshire and Duroc. Okay. Um, and it's an all-natural pork, you know, no antibiotics, no hormones. And we get in whole sides of pork, you know, like every single week. We'll get about like four sides, and we butcher them right there ourselves. Um, so the customers can actually see us doing the work, too, and they know where it comes from. And, yeah, but uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, don't they finish them off on, like, don't they kind of finish them off wildly in a sense? Well, those they only do them like once a year around the holidays. Oh, okay. And called tim- yeah, and they're called timber finished. So they start them off like regular, and then they put them out in like the wild woods out there, and they eat um, acorns and different things. So they're called like timber finished. That's awesome. Yeah. I've... And we usually get those around the holiday because it's it's something really special. And I mean, I'm sure that it's a completely different flavor profile. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It does. Now, when they finish them off that way, mm-hmm. does 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 the pig get leaner? Um, the ones we had this year, they were pretty lean, but the ones like last year were they were they still had a good amount of fat on them. Um, so it all depends on weather conditions. Two plays in effect, I guess. Oh, of course. And like whatever else they were eating out there, so who knows? Because like I know, like when people are like, "Oh, I want to get a wild hog." Wild hogs are super lean. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not. They're not like the they're you're not gonna get like the super marbled no. fatty <laughs> wild hog because they no. ain't they ain't that fatty, dude. They they're right. they're a pretty aggressive animal and they will pretty much fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to put it nicely, right? Right, um, right. And the meat's gonna be like like a little darker also. It's not gonna be like that light pale pink color. It's gonna be kind of a darkish darkish red. Now do you does it get darker because of the way they're finishing them or yeah yeah because yeah, the okay. way they're finished right okay yeah and obviously that's gonna be a little bit more flavor it's gonna be a little it might be a little yeah. you know a little not I don't want to say tougher but it might have a little bit more bite to it but it has like a like a real unique like cutting kind of a nutty flavor to it okay yeah you know. And the, yeah, that's yeah. It's gonna be a little bit more of a bite. That that's probably a better way of uh, of, of selling that one. I like it. Uh, but it it is you know in in a sense, it's not gonna be that lazy pig that just laid there for you know you hung out, walked around, right, ate, right. Didn't didn't run, didn't run too much at least. Some of them run, but you know they they're not running a ton. Like when they're out and they're foraging for berries, yeah, they're looking mm-hmm. for food. <laughs> Right, right. So they're moving. Right. Yep. I mean, I think that's very, very cool. I think that's yeah. awesome that you guys offer that. Now, is that a special order during the holidays or? Yeah, definitely a special order because we'll only get like maybe a couple of them a week through the holidays. Okay. And, and now we've been doing it for, for 
for a couple of years and people have really known it or come to know it and they place their orders ahead of time. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they come in and they're yeah. like, Hey, I want this or yeah, I want yeah. that during the holidays. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that's just another benefit from, uh, you know, dealing with a small local farm, you know, you know, we get in on all these unique things like that. Yeah, no. And then, and then knowing your butcher, right. you know, coming full circle, that's something that you can tell somebody being like, Hey, this is, we're going to get this. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested if you're, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, I, I really like pork. I really like, you know, doing this, doing that, doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's something that you can kind of give me that's something interesting? You know what I mean? Like that's right. unique for the holidays. Yeah. And you can be like, hey, it's this. Right. I like around Thanksgiving time too, we get like these heritage turkeys that are pretty unique, you know. Um, and we had them this year. And and again, I mean, it's like you can't find these things anywhere else, you know. Now, what makes, what makes the turkeys unique? Well, it's their heritage breed. Oh, okay. And these breeds, you know, they go back hundreds of years. Okay. You know. Different and, flavor um, profile. Different flavor profile. They're a little bit leaner, a little bit uh, less um, meaty, but, but the flavor is, like, totally different. It, it's really nice flavor. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably not getting, like, 22-pounders. No, no, there's smaller ones, too. <laughs> right. Like I, it always, it always like amazes me when people are like, "I need a, I need a thirty pound bird," and it's like, "Dude, where?" Yeah. yeah. Like that thing can't hold its, like its legs aren't meant to hold up thirty right. pounds. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't understand how these things are being bred. This. I always big. try to talk people into like two smaller birds, you know. Yeah, just get two smaller ones. Yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna cook better. It's gonna cook quicker. You're gonna be happier, you know. So. I mean. And I know some people that are like, well, I cook them for like 30 hours. And it's like, have you cooked anything for 30 hours and it had to come out good? Yeah, right. Like, there's very few things in this world that can cook that long and still be moist. Right, right. Without braising or, you know, doing yeah, something yeah. to it. Right. right. But I, I just think it's very cool. And I, I've got, I've, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to break down you know, half sides of cow mm-hmm. and, you know, pigs and all that kind of stuff. And man, it's a lot of work. It's a yeah, lot it of work yeah, breaking down those animals. Yep. It's not, yep. you know, it's not just a walk in the park to do it. It's, uh-huh. it's definitely a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever been stumped by anybody when they came in and asked for something? Um, Not really, no, no. There wasn't like... A- like what? I was gonna say they didn't come in and like ask for a certain cut of meat. You were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> maybe in my younger years, but, but not now. <laughs> now, now it's just too. Yeah. Because I, I know that sometimes what will happen is sometimes people will come in and ask for it by a different name. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I know that's sometimes kind of hard. Um, yeah. There's a butcher shop out in my neck of the woods that. Mm-hmm calls their tri-tips London or uh, calls them uh, ranch roasts. Okay, right. And I'm like, like, ra- I'm like yeah, what the that? hell's a ranch roast? Right. And he's right. like, it's a tri-tip. He's like, but he's like, here's the thing. He's like, if I put tri-tip in the case, uh-huh. he goes, they sit there all week. Really? He goes, I write ranch roast. He goes, we sell out in three days. <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I think it's because people are less afraid of a roast mm. than being like this is a tri-tip and being like well what the hell's a tri-tip right yeah what do i do with that 
yeah, it's like you do the same thing you with your ranch rubs, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but I just I just thought it was like so funny. I'm like, so just just by changing the name right, slightly, right. you completely changed mm-hmm. um, the marketing. It's like, yeah. damn. And I know there there's a place in in the city that mm-hmm. calls them London Broils. Right. Right. And I'm just like, man, they're just tri tips. Why can't we just call them fucking tri tips? <laughs> oh, tri tip, yeah. Like, now, have you guys, I, I know that in Chicago they haven't gotten big yet, but mm-hmm. a lot of other places are starting to, the, the Denver steak is starting to become bigger. Yep. 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 Are you guys are you guys cutting Denver steaks? Is that something that people are kind of no, asking for? As, no, we're not putting them out as Denver steaks. Um, sometimes we will put them out as like boneless short ribs. Okay. You know because you can braise that piece also. You yeah, know? absolutely. That's really good. Um, but I've grilled up some Denver steaks and they're they're pretty good. You they're know? fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I I feel like a lot of people, mm-hmm. I in the kind of like Texas area, more. Mm-hmm more towards the more middle west of the United States, they're definitely, that's starting to become a cut Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. people are starting to look for. Yeah, yeah. Which is very interesting that, you know, how, where things kind of come from. And you're just like, oh, this is a, this is a Denver steak. Yeah, this is what it is. And just like the, just like the flat iron steak. Yeah. How popular that, you know, that's become over the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen meat prices kind of change through mm-hmm. through your uh, <laughs> oh yeah through your yeah. Um, career and cuts of meat that you guys probably didn't value much, you know, when you first started are starting to become right. valued cuts, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, when I first started, we would get in you know hind quarters and fore quarters, and in the way that we used to cut them, we used to go right through the bavette and just okay. throw the bavette like in the trimmings. And now we peel that piece out. It, it's a great steak. And that's, you know? that's so crazy. Yeah. And the same thing with the hanger steak. You know, years ago, they would hang from the bottom of the hindquarter, and sometimes it would hit the floor into the sawdust, and we would just cut it off and throw it in the garbage. And now, <laughs> and now it's like you, know, you can't get enough of them. So, you know? how has like, would you say that like, I guess like breaking it. Breaking down the cow has kind of changed, also. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. Because like now you can't. Maybe the traditional breakdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes through, like you said, it goes through the bavette, and you would right. it would matter before, where now it does. Right. Like now we're trying to piece this thing out, you know, for every single muscle that it is, and try to you know get every value that you can out of the hindquarter or the forequarter. Make yeah, making sure that you're. Yeah. You're yielding the best possible yield, right. right? Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to say it is you're you're you know you're yeah. you're using all of the animal, which right. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that's very underrated is, uh, like you said, uh, the the flat iron steak. That's super uh-huh. underrated. Uh, it's yeah. starting to become popular. Yeah. But in the is it the flat iron or which steak when the, when the cow is hanging, mm-hmm. which which cut is actually holding most of the weight, or is kind of stretching it out? Is that the is that the flat iron? Does the flat iron get well, kind of stretched out a little bit during it? Really, the flat iron is from the blade bone. It's right. It's on the blade bone of the of the chuck and the shoulder. 
So let's yeah, go yeah. in that kid's stretch because it's right, it's right on a bone. What's it? Uh, oh, 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 stretched. Well, maybe I, like the flank. I mean, it's the, the flank. It's the flank. I'm sorry. It's the flank. It's flank. So the yeah. flank, because of the way like the animal kind of gets hung up, right? Uh, yeah. The the flank, I guess, is kind of being stretched out a little bit. Okay, could be. Yeah. Which yeah. makes it, uh, which may, I guess makes it a little bit more tender. Okay. All and right. I wasn't even thinking about it because um, a buddy of mine owns a ranch, and he was talking about it, and he's like, "Man, he's like, think about your flank." He's like. When it's getting stretched out, yeah, he's yeah. like, it. You know, when rigor mortis kind of sets in, mm-hmm. all those muscles kind of tense yeah, up. He's like, up. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, the flank is the only one, I guess, that can't fully tighten up. Oh, okay. Because it, it's being stretched out by gravity, and yeah. he's like, dude, just think about it. He's like, nine nine times out of ten, he's like, you got a better chance of getting a shitty flank that's going to be tender. <laughs> Than you know than anything than any other muscle. Right. He's like, so if you right, right, right. are are trying to choose of you know kind of almost trying to choose not good, like being like, listen, I, I don't want to spend a lot of money, um, mm-hmm. you know whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, flanks the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, flank is good too. I I enjoy a flank too. You know. I I think they're I mean I think they're great. Yeah. And I mean skirt steaks are skirt steaks are some of my favorite. Yeah, it's one um, of my. One of my top ones right there. The outer skirt. Just because you can do so much with them. Yeah, yeah. Chop them up, put them in fajitas. You oh, can, yeah. You can, you know, grill them out and just make, like, steak sandwiches mm. out of them. Mm. Um, I got I got a lot of shit probably, like, a summer and a half ago. I was, I was going to make steak quesadillas, right? Grilled okay. steak quesadillas. So uh-huh. I just seared it off quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was still pretty blue, right, for, okay. for temporized. And yeah. I took a picture of it, and I was like, look how beautiful that sear is. And mm-hmm. I got a bunch of shit of people being like, yeah, but it's blue on the inside. You undercooked it. And I was like, I'm making steak quesadillas. I'm going to chop mm-hmm. this, or I'm going to you know, slice it up and yeah. throw it into something and then cook it again. It again, yeah. <laughs> so the whole point was for it not to be fucking shoe left. Right, right, right. So that it would be a nice medium, you know, a nice medium, right. medium gonna... rare when they're done cooking the second time. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes people don't get that. Like, hey, I'm in the middle of the process. We right. haven't it's finished not done yet. yet. Yeah. We haven't finished yet. And I got so much shit on it. I was like, man, I'm like, it still looks pretty. Yeah, yeah. And what if I like my steak blue? Some people do. Some people do. You know what I mean? Like... What do they call it? Black and blue? Yeah. I I believe it's called black and blue where it's kind of seared hardcore on the outside and still mooing on the inside. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, a really good vet could bring it back to life. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I was in the middle of my cook. I was in the middle of it. It looked pretty. I took a picture of it and I put it on the internet and... Yeah. The internet was like, well, whatever, you did it wrong. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say for you? What What do you think is the uh, most underrated cut? Most underrated cut? Uh, That's a good question. I, mean, I almost had to turn to the flat iron again. I mean, it's it's so underrated. It, it's like the second most tender steak on the cow, right? I think, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's probably one of the most underrated steaks, you know? I feel like not enough people 
want the flat iron. Right. And like what I love too about the flat iron too, I mean, you could grill it up, you know, as a steak. You can use it for any kind of recipe you want to that's going to involve a steak, you know? Yeah. Quesadillas, you know, um, anything, you know, stir fry. Oh, yeah. Pepper steak out of it, stroganoff. You can do anything with that, with that cut. Oh, you can do so much with it. Yeah. It's such a beautiful cut. And I mean, I mean, I'm not a big, like, you know, when you go to the, 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 the three top steaks, right? The, Mm-hmm. The New York, the the ribeye or the filet. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm I'm a big ribeye person, but like, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I very rarely want those three. You know what I mean? When people like, and mm-hmm. I and I get it. Like, you know, my family's still like, like, let's do steaks. Let's get like some New York strips, and I'm like, let's do steaks. Yeah. Let's get some flat irons. Let's get some yeah. skirt steak, <laughs> or you right. know what I mean? Like, I'm looking for the like kind of like that off. That yeah. not real. I get it's a real steak. Don't get me wrong, but like not not right. that traditional. Mm-hmm. The traditional kind of almost like three that people first think of when they think steak. Right, right. Like I'll I'll turn to tri tip a lot of times too. You know, because oh, it I feeds love the You know, it feeds the family too. You know, oh yeah. Instead of like instead of individual steaks, and then like if somebody wants a little bit more well done, well then you give them like an end slice. You know. Yeah. And you can keep the the medium or like the. The middle, a nice medium rare, you know. Yeah, I actually, I'm a big fan of my tri tip being closer to medium. Okay. Um, I feel like if I go too medium rare, mm-hmm. we we get too chewy, just because uh, it's yeah. such a thick, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It is right. so much meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I almost go go I almost prefer a medium on it, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that are from California are like it's supposed to be medium. Yeah. Or almost medium well. Right. Like they're very. Um, yeah, it's big out there. Big out there. They have a very, they have a very <laughs> precise way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's rules. Yeah. And don't break them. Right. But I, I think that's a big, like that is a, a big, piece of meat that can feed a lot of people. Right. Like you said, it can feed three, four, sometimes yeah. five people, depending on you know how much people want to eat or, or the size of the tri-tip that you really get. And obviously tri-tips don't get too, too big, right. but the, they're roughly around, what would you say? A pound and Tri- a half to two and a half pounds, maybe? Yeah, yeah two and a half on a larger size, yeah. You know, yeah. It, yeah. you know, you're never going to really get like a four pound tri-tip no. or anything like that, but you're going to get, I mean, two pounds of steak, you get a nice two pound tri-tip, which I think is not size, super right? uncommon, right? Um, you're you're feeding some good people. Yeah, you know what I mean, and you're getting a really good product. Right. You know, whenever I'm cooking steak, like for a crowd or something, you know, like I'll always go to like a tri-tip, uh, even a flank, yeah, and hanger. You know, something you can slice up, and, and it's going to feed a good amount of people. Yeah, I yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, yeah. um, it it feeds people, mm-hmm. and I think that um. A lot of people, when they first have it, are almost amazed at the the juiciness, the tenderness, right. and everything like that. Like they almost, they almost, they're like, "What are you doing? Like, why, what, why are we doing that?" And then it's like, "Oh my god, this is so flavorful, and it's right. so good." And like another benefit of it too, I mean, there's there's no waste on it. You know, there's no fat to deal with. 
You, you just cut up the whole thing and you eat the whole thing. Yeah. There's you know? literally no waste. No. Which no. is fantastic. I mean, because yeah. a lot of times there's, there's a little bit of waste. And then, you, I mean, you're paying for it. Right. You're paying right. by weight. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so when you when you first start started, uh-huh. what were prices at for like full packers and stuff like that? Well, we didn't what have was... packer cuts back then because everything was fresh. You know, we, we like when I first started, like box beef wasn't around yet. Okay. Um, but I remember, you know, like a blade cut chuck roast being sixty nine cents a pound. Ooh. Yeah. And we're roughly yeah. at what? Four seventy-five. Yeah, that's if you can five. find a bone in. If it, if if you could find a bone in chuck roast, you know they're not very no. very very common. No, and I remember like uh, round steak, you know, full round steak, which isn't really popular anymore. You know, we would have those on sale for you know dollar twenty-nine a pound. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like you know people saying you know bring brisket back to seventy-nine cents a pound. I'm like you can't. There's yeah. people don't want to cook briskets. So there's only two damn briskets on a cow. Right, right. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's some people that break it down even more. They're like, I only want to cook right-sided briskets. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why does it matter? I know. I've yeah. never seen a different. Do you think they cook any different? No, I don't think so. It's going to come from the same animal. Same animal. What's the difference if it's on the left side or right side? I don't know. I've heard some guys that are like, oh, I think the right side, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't hold as much of the weight. Because a lot of cows tend to lean left. I'm like, dude, <laughs> come on, come on. Like, how many fields have you gone out to, like, hanging out with the cows yeah. to yeah. see which way they're leaning? Like, I've never noticed a difference in no. in my cooking, but I've heard guys that say that they that, that they yeah. notice a difference. Right, right. And I'm like, what do you do? Go through cases, and you're like, right, right, left, yeah. right, right, left. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> right. And. I mean, same thing with, like, you know, pork, uh, shoulders are shoulders to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Or not, you know, I shouldn't say shoulders are shoulders because obviously I'm looking for, for a certain amount of marbling and a fat cap that needs to be a mm-hmm. certain size. Otherwise, right. to me, it kind of, they'll dry out. I also don't like small shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, anything under seven pounds, I'm not a big fan of cooking. No, no, I usually go for eight to nine pound, usually. Yeah. yeah. A nice eight to nine pound shoulder, you, mm. you get that um, it just works really well. The other yeah. day, I actually i i got I don't know where they found this pig. Mm-hmm. I sw- I have no idea. I got a thirteen pound shoulder. Oh my god! Was it just the butt, or did it have the picnic on there too? Nope, it was just the butt. Just the wow! It had did have a nice. It was probably a the fat cap was a little bit bigger than I probably should have capped on, but uh-huh. um. I don't, I don't trim my fat caps at all. I just, I, I season over them. I put yeah. them in my cooker, and when they break on me, that's when I'm kind of, that's my good, good sign of being like, okay, cool, we're, we're, yeah. we're in the right realm. We're getting there. Yep. And yeah. then, and then I wrap because when we do it commercially, uh, mm-hmm. I wrap and I like to save all those juices, mm-hmm. and you know, use them. But uh, I usually I squirt, squirt a fat cap too. You know, I squirt. So they rub, kind of get in there a little bit, a little bit kind more. Of, kind of get it, yeah. kind of work it in there, yeah. Yeah. And then you can, uh, it's always the, you know, the chef's little uh, delicious uh, treat. You pull mm-hmm. a little bit of it off. 
Oh yeah. When it gets nice and crunchy. Oh yeah. <laughs> the best part. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, a buddy of mine used to do pork belly that way. Okay. So he would keep the skin on. Okay. And mm-hmm. he would score the skin. Yeah, yeah. And then he would smoke the pork belly. Mm-hmm. And then he would cut it up, and they would flash fry it really fast so that the uh, skin this nice would get crisp. cr- crispy. Crunchy. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was some of the best pork belly you'd ever have. Yeah, I'm a big fan of pork belly. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you do you guys get Duroc pork belly in? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Okay. Yep. I've made bacon out of it before. It's 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 amazing. It's dumb yeah. good, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now when you make that when you made that bacon mm-hmm. and you ate it, were you mm-hmm. like, I don't really want any <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like now, I'm a big bacon snob, you know. I mean, yeah, I rarely eat like any other bacon except mine, you know. Oh, I'm the same way. You yeah. know, we uh, I did try um, barricose bacon, like the Spanish, mm-hmm. Spanish okay. bacon. Uh huh. That shit, like, it melts. Wow. It, it's some of the, it, it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because. The Spanish pigs, they're raised a little differently, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they have a heavier red tint to them, too. Okay. Because they're, they're, they're almost kind of like wilder. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're fed berries and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's just, I guess, the heritage of the breed is mm-hmm. the way the, the, the fat is in it. It's just right. very, it's very soft fat. Mm-hmm. Nice. It, nice. like... The guy, the guys that that were part of the company that were doing it, they were they were doing a demo, and mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, here you go. I'm like, oh, I'm like, so do you ever get these this kind of a little crunchier? He's like, don't. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't mess with getting it. He's like, you don't want it cooked more. Right. He's like, this is perfectly cooked, and mm-hmm. it like literally, I think it was in the pan for like 35 seconds, <laughs> and it was not on like high heat. It was like yeah. medium to low, and I was wow. like, okay. And I tried it, and I was like, oh, my God. He's like, I'm like, this is so good. And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, we get that reaction yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I feel like when you cure your own bacon, uh-huh. it just changes the – like, it's it's not that that commodity Oscar Mayer uh, force right. I mean, cure. It, you know, it's over-processed, and, you know, it's – Yeah. How do you do your cure? How long do you cure yours for? I do it for seven days. Seven? Yeah. I, then, like, every day, I'll, I'll get in there, I'll flip it around. Yeah. Like, in the fridge and kind of massage it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I find that if I go any less than seven, mm-hmm. I don't get a good product. Yeah, I think it's got to go a full seven. Like, it needs that time to really yeah. Yeah. penetrate. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. when you when you, like, when people talk about, um, like, commodity bacon... Guys, mm-hmm. a lot of it is they're put into a tumbler. Yeah, those yeah. bellies are put into a tumbler, and they're all the air is sucked out, and the cure is yeah. almost forced. Yeah. in right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other way to say it, but it's just kind of forced in, and it's a, it's a forced yeah. cure. And I I'm pretty sure that they do that in like forty five minutes to an hour. Probably, probably, yeah. With the amount that they're trying to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But going back to the good old way of just. Curing it yourself, yeah. Um, 
it's fantastic. And I, I like to every once in a while too buy uh buy pork loins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and cure them to make okay. Canadian bacon. I've never done that. That's on my list, man. It's on my list. Dude. Like, yeah. If you like Canadian if you're if you're a fan of like ham slash Canadian bacon, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. I love doing it because then I can actually cut it to the thickness that I want. Right. I right. can go a little bit thicker than I like it a little bit thicker than like commodity mm-hmm. Canadian bacon, mm-hmm. um, but you still get that nice juiciness. Right, right. And then you get the flavor profile that you want. You know, you can create. Yeah. Whatever. You can add it if you want to. Right. Yeah, right. you can add a little bit of spice. You can add. You can not. You can do whatever you kind of kind of whatever you want, which yeah. which I think is cool. Yeah, it is cool. You know, it's always fun doing that stuff because then you can play with you know different flavors and see what you like and. Yeah, that's what I love about it, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. like, curing bacon. I mean, it's great. I love it. Now, yeah. do you guys dry age anything or age anything? No, but uh, the stuff that we get in from, from Slagle Farms, it is dry age. It, okay. It's like, it is, like, 20 to 30-day dry age. Okay. Uh, then once in a while, we'll get in, you know, some primals that have been there for either 45 or 90 days. Now, you know, we'll get in some, like, uh, some ribs or we'll get in some uh, top butts. And, uh, yeah. Now, do you, when you, when you're, when you're kind of purchasing for yourself, are you more of a dry aged guy or do you like the wet age? What's your, what's your flavor profile? What do you like? I like the dry age much better. Yeah. I think it has, it has a stronger beefy flavor. And then like all the natural enzymes, you know, they, they kind of break down in there and it makes it more tender, but yeah, definitely dry age. I know some people, some people don't like dry age. There's some people that are like, no, it tastes too funky for me or whatever. Uh, I know that I had a, um, I had a 105 day dry aged ribeye once. Wow. Wow. It was definitely on the funkier side. You know what I mean? It had, it had, it brought those flavors out, Mm -hmm. but dude, it was one of the best steaks I've ever had. And I like that, you Mm -hmm. know, I like that funky kind of flavor profile. Right, that came right. out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I understand how some people are like, no, I don't like it. Or some people have their preference of like, they're like, I like, you know, a 35 day dry mm-hmm. age steak, but I don't like going much longer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I like a good, like 45, 45 is like, to me, like the perfect number. That that's your number right there. 45. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And for, I think that's, I, I mean, I love 45 day age, uh, ribeyes i think that is one of the perfect numbers to go for yeah but yeah. when you when you sit down and you look at a menu and they're like 105 day and you're like oh. <laughs> like i was like i just have to try like i had to you try, try you know what i mean like how do you not <laughs> when you, yeah, especially some, when you don't see day stuff you know that you we hit at the store and it, it has like like you say it's almost like a funky smell but it's kind of like nutty in a way yeah you know it, it's really unique it's like earth it's earthier yeah. It's very interesting. And if you uh, have you ever been inside of a dry aging room? Yeah, yeah. Th- that smell, like it's yeah, just yep. like it's hard to explain to people. Yeah. When they're you get like, the well, fans what blowing around in there and stuff. Yep. Yep. They're like, what did it smell like? And I'm like, heaven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> to some people, it might be the worst smell in the world. To me, yeah. it was like, this is delicious. Let's just yeah. live here. Yeah. But, Let me just breathe it in for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was like amazing and it it is amazing to watch how like beef kind of breaks down but yet it doesn't go bad Mm -hmm. right 
Like it's so as long as you keep it at the right temperature and the right humidity too. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like if you leave it outside for yeah <laughs> sixty five days, it's probably gonna be good. it's probably gonna go bad. Don't do that. It's gonna get real funky. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get real funky. Uh, but you know, under the right circumstance, that it doesn't go. You know what I mean? Because it's still mm-hmm. a dry age does still get a little bit. I mean, the outsides are. I mean, it's funny. It kind of gets like waxy, mm-hmm. and then. I don't know how else to explain it besides, like, it's kind of waxy, it's not... And a little moldy, you know? Yeah, it's a little moldy. You can still use it for some stuff, but, you know, I think a lot of people tend to not to eat it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. We get the 90-day stuff, and, you know, know, we'll take off a good three-quarters of an inch off of of the size and just just lose it, you know? Yeah. And maybe you're charging for it. Yeah, yeah. I'll work it. That's why, you know, that's why, that's why that shit's more expensive. That's right. Because, <laughs> you know, weight loss goes, you know, it mm-hmm. shrinks and it yep. becomes more expensive. Uh, well, Mark, dude, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, chatting yeah. barbecue. Yeah. Dude, you were awesome. Um, guys, if you're in the Chicagoland area, go find Mark, make him your butcher. Um, if you're in Chicago proper, um, his store is right off Western Avenue. Um, it's super easy to find. Like I said, the, it, the marketplace besides the butcher shop, the butcher shop is great, but the marketplace does have a lot more to offer. Also, uh, you can do pretty much all your grocery shopping there, but it does have some really, really cool, um, ethnic food that you can get. Uh, they just have, they just have a really good array of, I guess, items to choose from. And they have a good they have a good beer selection too, which never hurts. Uh, <laughs> never hurts to have a good beer selection. Now, does that is that ever rough for you? You work there, and then you have to see like all this great beer. Yeah, especially sometimes I'll be working, and I'll see these guys like cart the stuff down the aisle. And I'm like, hey, 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 what do you got? Let me see that. You know, <laughs> so. you know you're like, oh, I'll help you with the meat. Let me just see yeah. what beer you have. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Now, Mark, I like to end my podcast in this way. If you could go back to the beginning of your barbecue career and give uh-huh. yourself three tips to help shorten your learning curve from what you know now, what would your three tips be? Probably my first one would be, you know, source out your local butcher, you know. Um, get to know the, uh, the, the specialist, you know, because you're going to be barbecuing and you want to barbecue with some good product. So, yep. I mean, first of all, you know, get to know your local butcher um, and probably like buy the best meat that you can afford, you know, um, you know, you can't always, you know, afford to buy some Wagyu steaks or whatever, but whatever you can spend on, you know, buy the best meat that you can. Yeah. And then probably finally, um, use a good instant read thermometer for cooking. Oh, yeah. I, I think. I think that's really, really important. Um, you know, I used to be one of them guys like years and years ago before I knew, you know, cut the steak open and see how it was done, you know? Oh, and then if it I was just, underdone, you got to throw that shit back on yeah, and you're losing you know, everything. It, it's like, you know, thermometers, it, it, it's it's what you got to do. So It's so much faster to be like, yep, no. Yep, no. It needs a couple more seconds. Yep, all right, close it up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, no, let's just cut it in half. It's Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I got. And then you had, then you had two overdone pieces instead of just one. Right, right. <laughs> and probably dry. 
Oh, yeah, considering all the juices are kind of coming out. Yeah, yeah. Now, last question. Are you a are you a big believer in letting your steak rest, or do you go oh, right absolutely. in? No, no, absolutely not. Let it rest. You know, all those molecules in the meat are running really fast in there when you're cooking, and when you take it off, it slows down, and it kind of redistributes in there. So, so you want to leave your steak rest. You know, I mean, it's you're going to cut it open. All that stuff is going to just pour out. Yep, and there is that small carryover, right? I believe. Oh, absolutely. I talked yeah. yeah. talk to a couple of different experts, and they say it's about a five, yeah. five to seven degrees carryover, right? Yeah, about uh, five. That's what I would say. Yeah. You pull it off, pulled it off at one, you know, one twenty-seven. You're you're yeah. going to be at one thirty-three if you let it yeah. rest and let that carryover kind of let it keep yeah. cooking. That's right. Well, Mark, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks Guys, for having me, man. If you want to follow him on Instagram, it is meat underscore marks underscore BBQ. He puts some badass stuff out there, not to mention um, he's a butcher. So if you have any questions, if you don't have a local butcher that you need to ask a question for, I'm sure the man will be happy to answer any of the Instagram questions that you give him. So sure. thank you so much, man, and we will chat soon, brother. Talk soon, Mikey. Bye-bye. Man, that was fantastic.